to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. again live bring us in okay hello everyone climate episode the sea is rising the leaves are turning brown and black it's raining yellow rain pod damn america it's a podcast i'm jake flores that's alex patak Hi, I'm Alex. Jake, I love that you introduce all of our episodes by just saying the topic in slow motion. I don't know when we started doing this, but it's happened for at least a month now. (laughs) Halloween! (laughs) Uh, It just feels right. Anders Lee, hello. Anders Lee here, hello. Anders Lee. (laughs) Um, I'll do a solo episode. episode. I'll need you to do that intro for me. Just I will. Like that. Andrews, or... do you have any like solo episode ideas where you just like do poems or something like that? Uh, well, I was thinking of doing a Twitch scre- Twitch stream where I play computer solitaire and talk about the 1996 presidential election. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> That's gonna blow the fuck up. On Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> what if you become like the biggest e-boy from that buying your bath water and shit um you, what we should do for our intro actually is uh i don't know if you saw this i tweeted it out from the account last week but there's this fucking insane like clip of a techno guy in germany oh yes and he's like it's like right after george, george floyd was murdered and the protests are happening and he's just like in this ridiculous accent, you know, for yeah. this is dedicated to George Floyd, and you know, and then it's just like <laughs> corny ass German <laughs> and he's dancing to it, and there's like yeah. MLK's voice is in the background for part right. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's our intro, but better because it's worse uh, <laughs> <laughs> music and <laughs> just MLK and a German guy just vibing. <laughs> I, 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 I have a dream. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) That guy's like actually very famous though, isn't he? Am I thinking of the right person? DJ? Probably in some places, yeah. Uh, Yeah. I guess it was for... DJ Race Conflict? (laughs) (laughs) I guess uh, Jeremy pointed this out that it's uh, the MLS um, that was their video. For some reason, Major League Soccer was was doing a DJ party. Uh, it probably got more views than one of their matches. Yeah, it's David Guetta. <laughs> That's his name. Yeah, dude, he's he's super famous. <laughs> never heard of him. Yeah, right, I can't mind. do that. I used to go to because I my first roommate in New York was very into house music, and sometimes he'd take me to shows, and I don't. I would always dance, but in a way. <laughs> Some people took as uh, me mocking the whole situation, so I would get in trouble at some of these. But it, it can be fun to go, um, even if you're not on drugs. Dancing, you it can drugs, be fun. 
were you not mocking them though? You were just dancing in sincerity, and they were like, it was just so intense. They were like, this guy's making fun of us. I was just doing the Durst thing, which is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> it's you know, it has a comedic element to it. But uh, I mean, that's why I became a comedian basically, is because I had to do four years of dance and in high school, and I'm terrible. I can't learn choreography, but I can move. So I l- learned the best thing I could get out of it was laughter. So right, fake it till you make it. Yeah. I am imagining you doing the sprockets dances from the old like SNL skits where the avant-garde Germans, you know, would just yes. kind of flail their arms around. Very similar to that, yeah. Okay. Anders only knows the Super Bowl shuffle. It's the <laughs> only dance they taught him at dance school. <laughs> Super Bowl shuffle. Speaking of the Super Bowl in football, the Denver Broncos are going ahead with their game, and they have no quarterback. They all got COVID or are injured. Oh, no. I don't know what they're going <laughs> to do. so funny. <laughs> <laughs> they're still going to play. They don't have anybody to throw the ball. Who it's would have awesome. thought this professional uh, rubbing your body on other people team would be so susceptible to disease? <laughs> Is the NFL not in a bubble? Are they not doing the bubble thing? No, they're not. That's um, They're doing the stadiums. A lot of them have fake fans, like cut, cardboard cutouts that they put in oh, seats. Fake fans. And just like fake friends. Yeah, just like us. <laughs> fake friends, yeah. There are some uh, cities that are letting fans in, just like here and there. They're supposed to be socially distanced, uh, but some are more lenient about it than others. And then there are some places where they're not letting anybody in at all, and it's very surreal. It's, well, that um, kind of – you know that reminds me of? Because, I mean, people bet on sports. Football, you know, is a pretty big one. And, like, if you're going to not have a bubble, then you now – that becomes a factor in like gambling and like fantasy football. Right. There's like a huge the green chip you put down in fantasy football for like, I think someone's going to get COVID, I guess. Um, <laughs> that That's kind of similar to, did you read that like expose about Amazon that came out last week where I have them hiring like Pinkertons and stuff like that. And, um, Fuck. Okay, I might be getting this wrong. It might be Amazon. It might be somebody else. But a, a, a large company got in trouble. Somebody is hiring Pinkertons. <laughs> no, 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 no. Amazon is the Pinkertons one. But the second thing I was thinking about, I was like, oh, is that in the same article or is it something else? Um, I'll look it up. But um, a company got in trouble for basically gambling on which of their employees was going to get COVID. Oh, like, Tyson. It's one of those things. Tyson. Okay. Yeah. 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 The nasty meat men. The nasty meat men meeting in their meat offices, just wonder, putting their grubby little paws all over the board, counting their little numbers, saying, who's going to get sick? Who's going to get sick? You know, they're pretty much probably the reason we're sick because they, they're putting all kinds of stuff into that meat. Yeah, the meat's not good. I mean, and that, that one, too, they could juke. Like, they could, you know, purposefully infect an employee that they betted on. That's, well, that's, that's not a fair. It's the, not a fair game. If you're, uh, you know, if, if you believe the story here, if you're not a tinfoil hat weirdo, uh, <laughs> you know, this, where COVID came from is a wet market, which is not that dissimilar to, you know, what something like Tyson is. Tyson's, yeah. We sh- what we should have done for Thanksgiving is carve a pangolin. That would have been fun. Oh, mm. shit. Yes. Or a bat. Mm. We just eat a fucking bat. <laughs> it's got That'd wings. be a pretty good test for most Americans. Can you carve a pangolin? Do you well, even know what this looks like? <laughs> I mean, it's like an armadillo, so it would be especially hard. They're kind of designed against it. No, no, that's Sonic the Hedgehog again. That's not a pangolin. So what, what are they? It's like an armadillo with wings, basically. Is that what it is? I don't oh, think they have wings. wings. I feel it's like I saw weird, photos. It looks like a Pokemon. 
They're like it's a just... Pokemon. You can catch it. <laughs> They're cute, though, right? I yeah. Oh, yeah. And they have the scales. They look like a. Um, a, a uh, what's that vegetable with the um, scales on the side? Like an asparagus, kind of. Well, you know what isn't cute, and that's the prospects of mankind in the future of a changing climate. I just need to specify so my (laughs) riffs made some sense. They look like artichokes. They're artichokes with legs. They're cute artichokes that came to life. That's true. They do look like artichokes. This is what's going to get us out of climate change, right? Because we need less people eating meat. We need more vegetables, but people especially in America, like eating meat. We like to know that something has been living and walking around. And now it's dead and we're and eating you it. took that so from it. So if we engineer uh, a, uh, artichoke beings, little artichoke animals, and then we kill them, we can solve climate change. Yeah, well, that's I, I the think, Green New Deal. Yes. The green is because they're artichokes. The green is because they're artichokes. Well, I think it's time to eat our vegetables and go to this informative interview with great sociology extraordinaire person, Thea Riofrancos. Let's go to the tape. Interview. And we're live here. Saturday, November 28th. It's another 60-degree day at the end of November in Massachusetts. The crickets are chirping, and we're settling in to record another hit podcast with my friends Jake Anders and co-author of the recent book Resource Radicals. Author. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) What? And and author of the book Resource Radicals for Petro-Nationalism to Post-Extractivism in Ecuador, Thea Rio-Francos. Thea, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Man, you botched that so hard. <laughs> you were yeah, but I'm like, going to edit around it so it doesn't around? sound like you don't like want I my author, like, yell? I thought that was kind of funny, but <laughs> you, can, you can edit. It all no, stays edit. in. I it undercuts my in. authority, which but. can't be done. <laughs> <laughs> she co-authored with the earth, with the resources. <laughs> exactly. You, you probably mama. used resources to uh, to write it, you know. Unavoidable. Wow, you're and... an environmentalist, and yet you wrote a book on paper? Yeah, yeah, you have an iPhone. <laughs> oh. How do you live with yourself? <laughs> Is that a hot-button issue, the authorship title, after co-authoring other books? You've always Don't answer that. <laughs> uh, we're we're here to discuss the the latest topics of the day: the changing world around us, climate change, politics in motion in the United States of America. I have a news item here. It says a uh, John Kerry has been appointed the new climate czar by the Biden administration. It's a new title with a role in the National Security Council. He's reporting for duty on a rescue mission to save a soldier behind enemy lines. A soldier named Mother Earth. Now, Thea, what's the problem with declaring war on climate change? Don't some atmospheric phenomenon simply need killing? <laughs> um, you know, I think that the, the, war, the war thing is very appealing in the United States politically um, because it's this idea that you can get everyone behind a war. Like what better unifier than a war, right? Like 9-11 was like the moment that we like, we all came together. Um, But I think that same, by that same token, it shows like what a dangerous metaphor it is. I mean, 
I guess like zooming out one more time, like the other benefit to it is that war is like the only time where like people have these like positive kind of associations with the state, like aside, I guess, from the New Deal, like it's like, oh, the state does things during war and it's supposed to do things. So like in a sort of neoliberal society, like it's like the kind of thing that you can grab onto when like the state intervenes in the economy. But um, but I think aside from that, aside from like this kind of potential for unifying and this like idea that the state will intervene and save us from something, it basically has no positives as a metaphor because the U.S. does all of these horrible things in the name of war. We can very much imagine like shutting down borders, like persecuting climate migrants and refugees, propagating other wars in the name of climate war. Like it just doesn't, you know, from a sort of left perspective, I don't think that it's the metaphor that we should be going for. Yeah. If from an internationalist perspective, like most people on earth are probably like kind of frightened when the U.S. is talking about uh, a massive war. Uh, but it's kind of an odd... What do you mean? <laughs> the, the metaphor, too, is, is kind of strange. You're about to get a McDonald's. <laughs> the way uh, John Kerry, who served in another war uh, that was not the best uh, decision, um, <laughs> but he, the, 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 the way he kind of construes the metaphor is like, we need everyone on board. Right. Everybody needs to be on board in America. That's where we got to rep- appeal to Republicans and stuff. But that's like, right. if we're using the World War II metaphor, that's basically like if Roosevelt w- was like, hey, let's get the German-American boomed on board. Let's see what they have to say. <laughs> like the people he's bringing in uh, to his organizations and stuff are people who don't want to take serious action. Like, I hate to tell you, BP, Mr. Carey, is probably not going to uh, do a great job of directing climate policy. But his thing has always been like, markets 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 and that's kind of like we did an episode about his uh autobiography uh, which i had to slog through a while ago and his to him the genius of the paris accords is that it leads it leaves things to the market the state just kind of sets up the circles and the markets are going to fill it in but um that's probably not a a really sufficient strategy i i would assume you think no and it actually hasn't worked politically i mean like the quote-unquote pragmatic argument is that if you do stuff like cap and trade or carbon taxes or these like gentle market nudges then republicans will sign up for it but like a of all those pieces of legislation have failed in congress right because you can't get people that literally like deny the existence of this problem to like even go along with so-called sort of like middle of the road measures um but they're also like even if we could implement them they're like nowhere near enough of what we need to do to deal with climate change. Like you're not going to do it by just like changing the price of carbon and to get the price of carbon high enough to actually keep fossil fuels in the ground. Like the entire fossil fuel lobby would be all out against you. So you might as well like draw the enemy lines where they should be drawn, which is like the enemies are the fossil fuel companies. The enemies are the executives um, that have perpetrated knowingly these crimes against humanity. And like, you know, I don't know that we want to say we're going to war against them, though I wouldn't be, you know, opposed to that. But like, you know, I think it should be clear, like, who's to blame, who's responsible, and like, what kind of efforts socially are we going to um, scale up to deal with that, where this idea of this, like, like you're saying, like this unifying thing of like a BP exec being on, on you know, on like the, on board with it is just like muddling what the cause and the effect of, um, of the issue is. Right. Well, I think a lot of the problem is John Kerry doesn't see the BP executives as the problem, and he's no. in charge. No. He's the SAR, which, you know, I, we were talking about this before we started recording, but I, sometimes I wonder why we even have a SAR, which is a <laughs> Russian term that never existed in the I United mean, States until right someone now. Someone 
not anyone specifically, this is all in parentheses or whatever, but someone should throw a gigantic turn-of-the-century bomb at him since he is a czar. It would be yes, funny if it happened. I see what you're saying. Not Metaphor is such a powerful term, uh, <laughs> tool we can use here on the internet. <laughs> I mean, it would, would be cool if he was an actual czar, though. Like, if he was actually, like, nationalizing uh, oil companies and, you know... Uh, ruling them with an iron fist that'd be cool um but it's funny he had a magician in charge of his family's health <laughs> yeah yeah now we're talking like 10 years ago that was a huge deal for like glenn beck who was like because the obama administration had like a car czar someone that would oversee <laughs> the auto bailout it uh, just sounds like a guy who sells used cars right <laughs> it's like little moscow <laughs> um but the, the term was under Reagan originally. And, like, of course, conservatives freaked out about it under Obama. But it's just, yeah, I don't know why they're not picking a different name. I think earlier we were uh, tossing around. Climate <coughs> king. There yeah. you go. How hard is that? <laughs> or climate exec. All yeah. of a Arch sudden. <clears throat> CEO of climate. We're all for defending the West until we're naming our climate positions all of a sudden. <laughs> John Kerry is an odd choice, too, because he's I, – I have been uh, researching Iran-Contra. We were talking about this before the show, and he actually was good on, on Iran-Contra and, like, uh, investigating the CIA for allowing cocaine to come into, to like, major cities. Uh, but he, everything else he's done has sucked, uh, but he keeps, like, <laughs> getting new jobs, even though after he just totally got spanked in a national election, you know. When like, you look at, like, Dukakis, that guy still – is hiding, you know, in Massachusetts someplace. I, I looked up a picture of him from recently and he like, his posture is actually like been affected by like, he's, he looks like Gollum now, I think because of the humiliation of losing a national election, but it just like doesn't phase people like John Kerry, you know, they keep he's getting jobs. Cupboard, is yeah. What it is. yeah. Well, it's just like, you know, we were saying before, like bringing back the old, you know, the old band together. I feel like mm -hmm. there's this, like, we're just seeing the same, ghouls i mean some of them are more ghoulish than others right like i would put like Rahm Emanuel on like a way more ghoulish you know side of the list than john Kerry, perhaps though john Kerry did fucked up things like championing fracking um mm. and and quote-unquote energy independence which always means like more oil and gas production under obama at the same time that he was like you know negotiating the paris agreement so he has a contradictory record but you know they're just outright terrible people like Rahm Emanuel, who like yeah. covered up uh, the pol you know police murder under his watch and terrible austerity in Chicago and uh, all the shit that he did in the Clinton administration onward uh, and it's just like why I mean like why are these continually the people that we have to see in power like after so much has been proven totally wrong about the neoliberal consensus both in terms of like the effects that it generates in people's lives and just like the political unpopularity of it um, but you know here we are again and it's like mm. the same mold I do feel unflappable after living in the Trump America for four years and they put out who the Secretary of Energy is going to be and it's Rex Tillerson and then yeah, <laughs> later you find out John Kerry's there and you're like that's fine whatever yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know yeah. him so the, so the Secretary of Energy that is like being talked about is also fucking terrible Ernie they're bringing Rex back Ernest, Ernest, oh, Moniz, Moniz, yes. he's really bad. Also, have you seen what he looks like? His, I mean, not to comment yeah. on people's looks, but his <laughs> hair is like very, it's <laughs> like he looks like a Willy Wonka character. Eh, of really? all. And B of all, he is also 
one of these all of the above people that was super pro fracking. And then he's like on the board of a private utility company that has like done all this lobbying against climate. And it's just like, can literally, you, there's no people with experience that don't have these terrible fossil fuel ties. It's kind of hard to imagine right and the situation's getting pretty dire too so you do want to kind of look on any possible upside (laughs) to an administration change and so i am wondering like is there anything that like the neoliberal establishment might throw a bone to us Mm. to just keep themselves alive five more years like are they gonna like get a new Paris climate accord together? Would that even do anything? They're going to go back into the Paris climate accord, but it's like not, I mean, it's so like the Paris agreement is so disappointing because it doesn't do anything. It has like no enforcement mechanisms. I mean, pulling out of it was bad, but like being in it also didn't do very much, but yes, they will, they will like get us back in the club. Um, They will regain our international prestige. No, I mean, I think that some things certainly have changed, but they're like not really being reflected on the level of the personnel appointment so far. Right. Um, And and under their vision of like climate change and reducing emissions, is there actually a vision there that would actually work that would really get us uh, under the degrees of acceleration that we, we need to be? Or is it just pure like delusion? It's a mix. It's some, it's some stuff that works and some stuff that was sort of like taken from the Bernie campaign and like the transition, the not transition, the unity task forces, right. like the thing that, that AOC served on. So there's some good things like we need to invest in like dignified green jobs and we need to invest in renewable energy. We need to actually use public money. We need to spend trillions of dollars. Like this was like, you know, like during the Obama administration, the talk of like trillions of dollars on public things was like an anathema. Like, so now at least you can talk about a lot of money being spent on some of the right things. But then there's also all this stuff on like carbon capture technologies and we're going to get to net zero with like fancy machines. And like, there's a lot of faith being put in that. And you can see a little bit of the influence of the fossil fuel lobby there. Cause that's like their big bet that we can just not change anything, but have like air sucking machines, um, which maybe we can have air sucking machines in the future, but like we can't delay decarbonizing to like, to, you know, waiting on these sort of tech fixes. So it's like, there's some delusion there's some good stuff that's totally because of like the Sunrise Movement and like, you know, Bernie and AOC and, all, and Marky and these like champions. And so it's, it's, it's not as bad as before, but it's amazing how much like myths and just ridiculous ideas are just clung to because of habit and lobbying, basically. That was a Yang's thing for a while, right? Just a giant like yes. pump that just acts as a carburetor yeah. on the side of the earth. Exactly. Like it's an apple you're smoking weed out of or something. Yeah, it's a real, it's, there's a lot of really zany ideas if you get into the geoengineering and carbon capture world where it's like, this is obviously not going to work. This obviously has so many negative <laughs> side effects if it were put into, like, like the world will be suddenly frozen and whoops, we made a mistake. Yang also one of the the rare points of honesty in the primary debates just on stage one time was like it's too late for us I can get to space (laughs) 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 you got all these looks from these billionaires like you're giving away the game man (laughs) shut up (laughs) yeah he was talking about getting to higher ground that one time when they were talking about like the ocean rising he really embodies a space that's like mask off basically you know this this thing we're talking about where if, if you don't go full socialism then whatever you're alluding to with these like technocratic solutions all this stuff are hilarious if you actually say them out loud which is what right. he did well, i think so. his logo the y looks like a slingshot so i think his 
his plan is to like slingshot everybody onto a different planet or something or into like a constellation of spaceships. I wonder when uh, they were going to reveal that. <laughs> I'm, I'm back in then. That sounds cool. What part of the election? Yeah. Uh, I, was, I don't want to dwell too much on the doom and gloom, but I am just genuinely curious, like with the policies that Biden is proposing and what we can actually extract, no pun intended, out of, out of his administration, like, is there a possibility that someone in the future, this is looking at it through kind of the presidential electoral lens, but is there a possibility that somebody could pick up the ball that he gets rolling and actually get us where we need to go in like 2028 or, or something like that? Or uh, obviously we don't want to be, be blackpilled, but is it just pretty bleak at that, at that stage? Yeah. I mean, I think like on the one hand, it's kind of, well, okay. First of all, a lot hinges on the Senate, right? Which we won't know until January 5th, which kind of just drives me insane. Like thinking about how just ridiculous our political system is and that we don't even know if we have a divided, go- I mean, whatever. Okay. So that's a whole, that's a whole thing. So, you know, if we have democratic control of the Senate, that's like definitely more political room to maneuver. If we don't have that, then we're more in the scenario that you're saying. And then the question is, can Democrats somehow get it together to do okay in 2022? It seems really not very optimistic because uh, Democrats tend to do bad in these midterm elections, you know, when they have control of the executive um, in general and their, their strategy this time around was so bad. I mean, they lost house seats, right. And they like, you know, so it's not, that's not very hopeful. And then it's like, okay, 2024. And so you kind of keep kicking the bucket down, but like, that's the like, you know, pessimistic view. I think like more, not so much optimistically, but maybe kind of just like leap of faith wise for my like wearing my political organizer hat. Like, I think that we have to just go full steam ahead with putting the pressure on and not sort of like ourselves kick the can down the road. Like, oh, okay, in 2022, we'll really mobilize or in 2024, like we have to mobilize now and just like keep the pressure on. And like, honestly, like I don't even see a way for like a more piecemeal climate plan without a really, 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 really militant left because otherwise like Biden's inclination is to just get sucked to the center, which is the right in the U.S., like sucked Mm -hmm. towards the right. And, um, And these cabinet appointments show that. And if they don't have any left, like A, keeping them accountable, but also B, that they can point to and be like, that's, those are the socialists demanding this. Can we at least do this? You know, like they actually, in a way, in order to do any of their plans, they need like a socialist kind of boogeyman to be like, you know, if we don't get some, you know, piecemeal thing, then like the next step is socialism, right? So in a weird kind of real politic way, I think like the left is just 100% essential to get anything done Mm -hmm. right now. Well, back to the the Yang comment, I think that's kind of clarifying in a way what the problem is because you have essentially like an entire set of people who are pretty well off who are like okay so we'll find higher ground or i'm selling air sucking machines what a coincidence but uh if you're a socialist (laughs) listening to this it's pretty important to understand the issue isn't just that the water will come up or it will get hotter it's that all of the rest of the planet is this very interwoven fabric of things you depend on to live and if any of it goes it's a slippery slope to it all going. Um, and that's why they're, you, it's unfortunate. You really can't give any middle ground on international cooperation, on a, 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 an, a, an economy that is planned and doesn't do as much damage as our economy does now. Because even if you could like perma-freeze the earth to this livable temperature, you would die anyway without any kind of worldwide transformation. Yeah, no, agreed. I mean, I don't, I think like, the, the line that like there should be no squishiness about this on the left like 
because we will constantly be told that what we're saying is not realistic, right? Like it's not realistic to cut global emissions in half in the next decade, or it's not realistic to decarbonize, you know, the energy sector by 2030, like whatever it is that we're demanding, they'll say, that's crazy. Like we could never do that. But then you look at the alternative and it's like, is it realistic to live in a world in which like basic ecosystemic and atmospheric processes like continually break down? I mean, like, is it realistic to live in like a wildfire hell world or like a, you know, where we have 30, you know, hurricanes in, in, in one season. I mean, it's just like, that's not realistic either. So we have to keep like flipping the script and being like, the current reality is like, not, is not pragmatic. I mean, what's pragmatic is maybe trying to do something about it quickly right. now. Right. And uh, back to the military uh, part of the conversation. What's interesting is a lot of these people who do consider themselves conservatives, like, do understand this. Like, the military has had a oh, uh, sure. good understanding of the repercussions of climate change. Right. For decades now, they just view it specifically as how to keep America afloat as the uh, uh, gunship life vest, uh, right. lifeboat. But it, it was like a security think tank that's funded by the, the U.S. government that, that, like, first came up with this threat multiplier concept, which is actually quite useful, right? Like, the idea that, like, you destabilize the climate, you destabilize ecosystems, you know, people don't have enough water, you know, or their crops fail, blah, 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 blah. And then like it mul the threat multiplies through all the social systems, economic systems. And it's, it's useful. They're looking at it through a security lens of like, how is that going to like threaten US security or the security of the sort of liberal world order. But it, it's like they're being realists about it. And if you read military reports on this stuff, it's very clear that shit is very dire. Just their solutions would make things worse for a variety of reasons we could get into or we kind of already talked about. But um, but yeah, no, I think that they're like clear headed about it, but they're just so like within a sort of capitalist and militaristic mindset that they have no actual solutions to it. Right. Anytime the military is saying ideology dot GIF. All right, Jake. Yes. <laughs> I was just going to say anytime the military is more woke than you about something, you're in very <laughs> bad territory. Right. Right. Or even like, honestly, I read the financial times because I think it's like the best way to understand what capitalists think about themselves. And like, it's like, they understand the shit better. And I'm just like, how is the American like neoliberal democratic establishment? They're just like the slowest to like incorporate anything or understand anything to the point where they're like behind the EU, behind China, behind like all these other powers that are, you know, world powers, geopolitical capitalist X, Y, and Z. And it just, um, right. They endorsed, uh, Corbin, right. In, as, as sort of like a self-preservation, I guess, cause they understand like the, the pitchforks are going to come one way or the other. And, He's the, you know, yeah, better to yeah. come from a poet than, uh, <laughs> than a mass right. of people. I know. I just want better enemies sometimes in America. <laughs> They're disappointing. Yeah, but what you said is 100% right. You can't be told you're not realistic when the alternative realistic uh, world is one where there's a tornado every Tuesday and you call it Tornado Tuesday and everyone stays at <laughs> right. work that day. <laughs> it's not a world you can have markets right. in. That doesn't right. make any sense. There's tacos um, flying everywhere because it's also Taco Tuesday. Right, exactly. That's a little confusing. Um, I mean, and the other thing is like there are like the system is producing so many crises that just present policy opportunities that Democrats don't understand how to take. I mean, by Democrats, I mean like the establishment, like, you know, whatever ones don't understand. So like 
over 100,000 fossil fuel workers have been laid off since March. Like this is a moment where the fossil fuel sector is literally in crisis because of the economic recession and low demand and no one's commuting and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, this is a great moment to talk about how we're going to like care for fossil fuel workers. And instead, Biden gets caught up in the trap of like whether we're going to ban fracking or not. It's like, it doesn't fucking matter. The industry is in crisis. Workers are being laid off. Let's model what a just transition would look like now so we can win those folks over to the left instead of letting the right you know, win them by saying we're going to, you know, continue to promote coal and fracking, which are dying. I mean, coal is a dying industry. There's no, like, it's dying on its own accord by just the logic of profitability. It's just, like, not going to happen anymore. So there's just all these missed, I just, yeah, boggles the mind. Yeah. Un- unfortunately, we're in this situation where our guy is a very easy one to trick. Um, yes, so exactly. he's going to fall for a lot yeah, of tricks. Every trap. Yeah, I know you put it there and it's so obvious and it's like Trump. So you know, it's a trap, but yet still walks into it. Trump was at least like, you never knew if he would go for the trap because he's just so unpredictable on a day-to-day basis. Whereas Biden, right. you just put footballs in front of him and he just falls down. Yeah. And watching uh, Biden is like watching a horror film and you're in the audience screaming, don't go don't, in there. Exactly. Don't open that door. <laughs> just don't open the door. Don't open the band fracking door. Just talk about how you're going to. Yeah. No, they're so. going to be mean to you in there. They're going to be mean to you. <laughs> right. Cause you're confused. Why are you uh, going upstairs? Yeah, Trump is about to walk into the trap and then he sees a tweet from Mario Lopez criticizing him and he needs to spend all day responding to that instead. This is a very far-fetched uh, uh, reference, but did any of you have grandparents with like the little chair that slides up the stairs instead of like, walking? <laughs> I saw those infomercials. Yeah, sure. My uncle had my one of those and I'm imagining Biden's in the horror house and you're like, don't go up the stairs! And he's sitting in the chair like... <laughs> No, <laughs> no, so no! Hit the down yeah. button. <laughs> I was delivering pizzas at one point uh, last year, and there was a building that somebody would order from. So I, multiple times, like went through a building, and there was one of those things. And I had like the Costanza moment where I was like, "Oh, how do I? Will I get in trouble if I use this?" <laughs> it looks so much. It looks so fun. It's great having hopped on that thing. Oh, it's all been downhill since then. we're downstairs Um, so the situation we're in we have biden he's the next president kamala harris is is, a president if he chokes on an ice cream or something yeah Um, highly likely they both it it could happen anything could happen they've both gone out of their way to say under no circumstances would they ever push forward a green new deal and the government yeah. for all intents and well, no, purposes. No, no, no. Harris was a, was an endorser of the Green New Deal. Right. But she wouldn't she wouldn't own up to that. It was a very weird part of the debate where the moderator was like, didn't you, when, when she, you know, uh, her and Pence or whatever, it was like, didn't did you supported the Green New Deal? And right. she just sort of like backed away from she it. She just started laughing, that like, right? As if that she... would cost them the election. And I'm like, literally the Green New Deal is popular with Democrats. Like, this is not something that's going to like, torpedo your electoral chances if you're just like admit to the truth which is that you are co-signatory on this thing but yeah anyway but biden is like hates the green new deal and uh hates the label and like makes okay. fun of the sunrise movement and blah 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 blah. so maybe she's more malleable on on the situation she's more malleable i think she is like much more of a chameleon and i think she'll definitely be running right i mean after he's not gonna run yeah. twice um no way so. um so so at least for right now the the federal government's a no-go on non-market state intervention to save us what outside groups are working on this like what what can we push for that isn't you know the new deal right uh can states well, get involved that, should you yeah. be joining a 4chan 
<laughs> I like that those are the two options. <laughs> I only, these are the only things reality. I know. Yeah. The state level, the, the federal level, the state level, the Chan level. That's it. Yeah, exactly. I, I refuse Which to way, join Western H-Chan. man? <laughs> um, wait, so no, I slightly disagree with the premise. I don't think that there's nothing that can be done congressionally. I feel like some good amendments could happen. Like, you know, there will be some kind of stimulus bill. There'll probably be some kind of infrastructure bill. We can maybe get, you know, some like some stuff funded, some renewable energy stuff funded that way. Who knows? I mean, I think that we should still be fighting for that stuff. We shouldn't totally give it up. Um, And, you know, we know like Bernie was called like the amendment king. Like you can like actually get progressive stuff in by just like, you know, staying on top of it. And I think we need external groups to put pressure on Congress in that way. I also think we should definitely be doing state level stuff. Um, uh, We were talking about Maine earlier, a great Green New Deal candidate won um, in the Maine State House. We have a socialist caucus in the New York State State House, which is amazing. We might have a socialist caucus in the city council in New York City if they win those um, elections. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of cool, there's a lot of great progressives at various levels of office and leftists. So I think we should keep doing that, keep doing the insurgent primary campaign stuff. I'm so, I love that. And, um, and then I think otherwise you join DSA, join Sunrise, like get involved. We have DSA is launching a huge Green New Deal campaign. We have a bunch of actions in mid-December. Um, December 12th is going to be a national day of coordinated actions. We're going to be targeting a lot of these democratic establishment types and putting the pressure on. So there's a lot to get involved in. I think like the danger is actually the sort of like red pilled or black pilled or whatever you want to call it. Like the danger is just like nothing is possible. And like the four chant, you know, like the where red pilled is when you want to save the climate, but you still hate women. (laughs) It's a terrible path. A lot of people go down. (laughs) And there are a lot of things too that like, you know, we can't count on Biden to just automatically do them. But there are a lot of things he has agreed to that yeah. under his authority as president, he would be able to just implement exactly. without, without Congress yeah, yeah. that we can right. hopefully get out of him. But right. yeah, and I think the local level is really important, too, because in Portland, Maine, they just passed a municipal green deal, green new deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sound like Nancy Pelosi over here. Green, <laughs> green dream. Um, Good morning. <laughs> and there's like, yeah, like green new deal, but also at the local level. Uh, this is something DSA has been working on a while. Munis- municipalization, tough word too. Yeah. Of um, public of utilities. Utilities. Yeah, there's companies. a great campaign in New York, the public power campaign. That is like um, I'm sort of indirectly working on a bit. Like, um, but yeah, to like just have actual public ownership of of the energy system, create jobs that way, retro do retrofit buildings, like all of that. You know, there's also great legislation in Congress that um, I think various members of the squad, the expanded squad are going to push to try to get like elements of the Green New Deal kind of on the agenda. I mean, there is no, it, it just like, it, it's easy to give up. It's always mm-hmm. easier to give up. You know, it's easier to not do anything. But I think that it's just like the planet asks us to get involved. <laughs> Yeah. Like really important and what else um, do you also, have going on yeah exactly like we're doing you know no one has anything going on anymore also like politics is fun i mean i seriously think that like it is like nice to have friends and comrades and do things together and you know it's just like dude this pandemic would have been would be so much worse if i didn't have funny dsa zoom meetings all the time and i mean right. like, seriously i enjoy that yeah, it kind of boggles my mind at how people take the fact that a socialist candidate for president of the United States, the hardest office to elect a socialist to in the world, came got millions of votes, and that's evidence that 
everything is hopeless. Like, yeah, because yeah. he didn't completely win the most impossible. Totally. And like that, the, 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 how big a threat that was is like evidenced in the fact that like the entire rest of the fucking primary field needed to leave the primaries and endorse this, you know, the yeah. zombie president that we're going to have. I mean, like if that, w- if it wasn't a threat, they wouldn't have had to done that. It would have just died on its own accord, but actually that was like the most popular option. Yeah. And then yeah. we were in the actual election and it was all talking points like if he did win, even though he didn't. That was very confusing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right. Yeah. We we got to see the campaign. They would have run against Bernie Sanders as if right. that's not the same campaign they run every four years, no matter what. I'm friends, with a lot of, I'm friends with a lot of boomers on Facebook from just doing stand-up and going to random places and having people who I guess are also a comedian, you know, in some weird part of Alaska or whatever, add me. I don't know where this came from, but lots of boomers on there. And uh, I got to watch throughout the the entire, like, Biden-Trump part of the campaign. Memes just come out that were, like, you know, fucking Biden's head next to, you know, Trotsky and Lenin and shit on that fucking thing that they're always on. Like, they just talked about him like he was a communist anyway. It's insane. Right. Yeah, I just like can't wrap my head around this like talking point like of like the sort of democratic establishment that like what you know the problem is is that like like socialism and defund the police and green new deal like cost the dem it's like they're going to do that anyway. Also like none of these candidates embrace defund the police for better or worse, but like you know like it, it's like they're going to do that they're going to do that anyway. You might as well just have a positive vision and I actually think like it's the moderate like centrist candidates that have no way to respond to that. Cause when Fox calls them, you know, p- abolitionists or green new deal supporters or socialists, they're just like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. And, but they don't have anything to say. Whereas if you're AOC, you're like, yes, I support the green new deal. Let me explain to you why. Right. And if you just have no vision, then you can't respond to those kinds of attacks. Um, so I'm not convinced at all that, I mean, whatever, obviously we could get into the thorniness of like how you run campaigns in some of these more conservative districts, but like, I'm not, it just like, seems like, yeah, they just do it. They do it regardless. Yeah. Well, something I uh, wanted to follow up on too, that you were mentioning before we started recording is, is the new sort of drive to organize workers who have been laid off from energy companies or extraction, uh, the extraction industry, which I think is a really interesting uh, concept because that's always the the ar- argument that's thrown out is like, we, yeah. oh, we have to counterpose the environment and the economy and these people want their jobs and they're just, they're never going to accept um, an environmental stimulus because that threatens their job, but these people are getting laid off. Uh, like what are the, some of the ways that we can activate these people and sort of merge climate politics with uh, working class politics? Yeah. And like the Obama administration did a lot of damage to this idea of like, because they talked about a just transition or like retraining for workers in the fossil fuel sector Um, but they never really followed through on it. And even before Obama, you had Clinton and NAFTA and this idea of like, we were going to retrain all of the people that lost their jobs because when industry left and like, it's like a a story that they've heard so many times that union workers have heard so many times and it's never been true. And so I definitely understand the skepticism, but that's why I was saying that like right now when the industry is imploding sort of by its own accord, I don't want to exaggerate it, like the oil and gas industry still exists, but like there's, you know, declining sales, declining profits, all this stuff, like declining demand, that would be a great messaging moment for Biden to step in and say, this is exactly what we're going to do for the 100,000 men and women who have lost their jobs. Like we're going to set you up with this training program, with this pension, with this like guaranteed, you know, salary and benefits or whatever it is. And this is what my administration would do. And it wouldn't even be that expensive. It's a drop in the bucket compared to what we overall need to invest to transition our energy system. But it would, it just seems like it's just such a win-win, like, 
for, you know, a democratic president to sort of make those types of arguments. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it is, it, it's like, it's a small part of the working class. I mean, like most of the working class is not employed in the fossil fuel sector. Most of the working class is like nurses and what? yeah, I know, shockingly, <laughs> we're not all on the rig. So it's like, I sometimes think it gets like overplayed in the sense that like, it's, it's, it's not that many workers that we're talking about, Yeah. but those workers are, um, uh, for various reasons have been like dramatized into this like wedge issue and they of course have real concerns but again like some of those concerns are just like the literal economics of these industries especially coal that are just collapsing and these regions like Appalachia western Pennsylvania wherever that are like economically um, um, being disinvested in and so I think the response just needs to be like this is exactly what we would do but they don't they don't do that because they don't really care what? about the working class. I mean, what green jobs are we going to put the hillbilly elegy guy into? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, he could talk on a different TV channel. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There is a job for everyone with a jobs does. guarantee, including the people you dislike the most. In fact, it is fun to think what job would I give to this terrible person? Right. Um, the the one thing that will remain intact is podcasters will get to choose the jobs for other people. Oh, definitely. And that is the basis of the program. It's right. confusing through the American political lens because a lot of people, and this is like intentionally set up, think that the only people who are quote unquote working class are people who descend into a mine and emerge covered in soot every day. So you it's like this coveted <laughs> group that doesn't exist. You have to have the smudge coal on your face to right. be working class in America. You have to be on a bluebell ice cream box. That you might have be to be Derek joke. Zoolander's dad. <laughs> <laughs> These are the only options we have to win, win the election. Yeah. And also, like, the origins of, like, the amazing militant, like, mine workers unions in, like, West Virginia and everywhere else are all these struggles over basically health and safety, and you could call them environmental, you know, in the sense of, like, black lung, like, the safety issues, and they were, they knew their enemy, and they, you know, I think that, like, you know, a, a, a smart worker still knows, like, the enemy is the boss, right? Like, the enemy is not the environmental regulations, which, again, are, in many cases, the outcome of labor struggles to even get those regulations, but, you know, shit has gotten very twisted. Yeah, your boss chopped off the top of a mountain. He's not the good person in that situation. <laughs> exactly. That's super villain shit. Right. Like, look at what's happened to Don Blankenship. I remember a while ago that they were like, oh, he's such a big power player in West Virginia. He's just, he controls everybody's thoughts in, in West Virginia. They, they love him there. And he got like indicted for something. And now he was like the Constitution Party candidate. He's like, a joke like these people aren't as scary as we make them out to them i do have a little hope in uh how alarmed people are somewhat less to the left on the political spectrum like did you guys catch the aaron brockovich op-ed yelling at joe biden last week oh i didn't read it but i I skimmed yes i remember seeing that (laughs) Well, I mean, people are scared, right? I don't she's coming out of the woodwork, and she's like, "It's me." From the I, I read the first sentence on the last one. Yes, Nothing I'm just admitting to having <laughs> That's Twitter how I brain read now. And, yeah, I had Twitter brain, and I wrote, of course, a uh, thousand tweet thread based on a headline that I read. Didn't actually read. We've the all been there. Um, yeah. No, what did the, what did the, what did it say? I did not even see it, let alone skim it. Uh, she's just she's paying attention to joe biden's administration picks let me see if i can get it up here admittedly the only reason i looked this up is because i'm writing an aaron brockovich parody where she has to hunt the grinch <laughs> <Aaron Brock-a-Grinch? laughs> it's unrelated it's aaron brock grinch okay 
and she has to prove that a corporation is hiding the Grinch. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> what did she say in the article? Uh, Eric Brockford's town is still toxic. You're, you're reading it now? Put a marker here. No, I okay. had it up before. I just feel like I kind of thought somebody else would have seen this too. Well, uh, she's good on the water issue. And that's been something that like, you know, uh, both parties have refused to address in places like Flint, where I believe oh, they yeah. still have dirty water. Um, where do you, is there uh, okay. uh, any movement on it, that? I got it, I got it. Okay. She, it's, uh, so it's contesting... Uh, a DuPont official is being recommended for, I think, Department oh, yes. of Energy or something. Right. Michael McCabe. Oh, I don't even know about this school. Um, More of that. And he, did you ever see Dark Water? I only know how to communicate through movies I've seen. That's not about the. <laughs> no. no, I'm thinking I thought about we were talking about Snowpiercer. I was promised that. I have a whole Snowpiercer take. That is. Ooh, okay, I don't think the light of day. No, I actually don't. <laughs> I think. Anyway, we, go on, please. We I simply won't discuss Snowpiercer. <laughs> so just, <laughs> my messaging you to get on the show was like, hey, I want to talk about Snowpiercer. Do you it was, it was so deceptive. And I was like, yes, I've been waiting for this moment to talk about Snowpiercer. Here we are one hour in and no discussion of Snowpiercer. I just felt I like we kind of covered it, so I skipped my question. But uh, <laughs> look, we're talking about Dark Water now, a much worse movie that you could probably just see not it. I don't waste see. my time. It's it's like barely a movie. It's more of like a public service announcement that the DuPont Corporation has put a chemical that never dissolves into all of the water in the world. <laughs> and um, apparently, uh, this guy like, oh. was like somewhat involved in that, and uh, he is being recommended to essentially protect the environment. That's we talked about that movie when we did that episode about DuPont and how. Yeah. Joe Biden has lead point paint poisoning in the brain. Right. Yeah. It's all connected. Okay. Look, the movie remember. sucks, but don't drink any water from now on. <laughs> it's not safe. Okay. Do you think, Jake, that's maybe why Biden is considering this guy because of the DuPont connection? Jake has a whole I, theory on this. It's very interesting. I, I went tinfoil hat on my own conspiracy theory. So I think everything Biden does is because he has pain brain. So yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> That's also why he eats ice cream. I don't know. <laughs> His brain always feels hot and he has to cool it with the ice cream. <laughs> yeah. It's not the only ways to stop the paint. Yeah, but you have Aaron Brockovich getting mad. <laughs> you have people in MSNBC kind of freaking out. I do think there is enough general concern around the issue that maybe more maybe. actual constructive action is on right the we'll have world war zero is what we will do oh right john Kerry's <laughs> initiative to stop climate change is called world war zero colon emissions <laughs> well, it's just like with you know how the onion the onion helped biden with their like kind of you know kooky uncle character guy about biden that would do uh the same they did, did a similar thing with john Kerry, where they'd make him out to be like a spy um and they're doing, and that I think it went to his head, and now he needs to name his organization World War Zero because he's yeah. It's just the, like I don't get with the metaphor because like zeros before one, so we're we going back in time and we're going to fight <laughs> the pre World War One war, and then like it's the war to end all wars, or just like what's going on? Yeah. I think he's trying. He's to really do into like the a, smashing pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's trying to do like an Osama bin Laden thing because that's the Obama admin thing is we killed Osama bin Laden and we're going to find and shoot climate change. 
Right. And then right, you won't have exactly. to worry about it anymore. And right, we can right. go back we and him. the street. Don't worry. We got him. <laughs> <laughs> Famously, the rock announced climate change defeated. <laughs> Famously, Biden was not in the room for the Osama bin Laden raid because they knew he couldn't keep his mouth shut. or he would. And now he's like, trying to get back in on it. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to play the long game. Sneaky Joe. They call him Sleepy Joe, but really it's Sneaky Joe. Mm, Sneaky Joe. All right. Okay. Well, Thea, thank you so much for coming on. I do feel slightly less black-pilled than before an hour ago. (laughs) Uh, What are you working on right now, and where can our listeners find you? Um, They can find me on Twitter. Um, I'm easy to find because my name is very weird. Um, they can find me doing DSA organizing. Everyone should join DSA now. We just had a great recruitment drive, which is ongoing, but we're like 85,000 plus members, biggest socialist organization in our lifetimes and many generations. So very exciting. Join DSA. Um, and then you can work with me and other great comrades on winning a green new deal, which is the project for our next decade. So get with it. So your, your plug is like a, a contest to work with you. Yeah, exactly. You too can be in Zoom meetings with me literally five times a week. Look, I'm doing it right now. It's a thrill. It's fun, right? You want to be here, folks. It feels great. Exactly. You got to see all these funny books behind me. They're all the same. The yeah okay so book. she's in front of a bookshelf with yeah like i know no all... one's comment literally <laughs> no one like... comments i used to make <laughs> jokes about it preemptively because i'm like is anyone going to say anything about this ridiculous bookshelf which is obviously fake books behind me oh, and fake. no one ever made the joke so now i'm just like whatever but they're not i thought they were national geographics no they're real books because if you are a dig subscriber the dig is another podcast we won't discuss it today but okay. if you're a dig <laughs> subscriber please don't mention the dig you get yeah. You get books in the mail, and those are the books. And they all come with a certain dig layout? No, they're just, they're just like verso books. So actually, a bunch of them are Planet to Win. Uh-huh. There's a oh. State, State by Sam Stein, which okay, is a great book. Okay, You know, there's yeah. lots you have, of like, copies. like, 80 copies of your own book behind you. Lo- yeah, I know. I just live, you know, it's a very narcissistic scene over here. I live amongst myself. What's happening is it's just three, like mostly unemployed comedians just being like, this is what it looks like when you have a job. <laughs> you just got a bookshelf full of yellow and white. Exactly. That's what they give you when you get a job. It is oh, a man. very powerful move that you do Zoom calls with like a bookshelf behind you that's just oh, yeah. fake. Because yeah. like, that's a thing. Like Danzig used to do those videos where he's in front of his big, big library of spooky books and he would pull one out and read about werewolves and shit to you. Right. It's a good aesthetic. Right, exactly, exactly. Right, anyway, how many of your books are about story. werewolves? I just like to, you know, sometimes pull out my girlfriend's copy of Remembrance of Things Past and just kind of like have it that near me without addressing yeah, it. Yeah, you can't see it, but Andrews is now pulling out all his books. Does anybody else have something to plug? <laughs> Anders, how about you? <laughs> uh, yeah, join DOSA and the Eco Socialist <laughs> Caucus. Uh, join it. No offense, but don't join Extinction Rebellion. Can I say that? Is that uncomradely? Oh, um, shit, getting spicy. <laughs> I can't think of like any person who will be offended by <laughs> <laughs> No, they will come at... I've, I've had, well, another time we can talk about Twitter, some Twitter issues I've had. But yeah, okay. no, they'll, they're, they're out there. They might be listening. Listen, if that person exists, they are listening and they will be mad at us. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have uh, someone very in my family who is a member and we've, we've, argued, we've argued about it. All right. That's a whole other episode. See, these things write themselves. Jake, do you have anything you want to plug? 
no, just my other show, While You Mad, and our Patreon. Please listen to our bonus episodes and support the show and uh, review us on iTunes and all that shit. Oh, yes, including the John Kerry one in which someone reminded me recently, Alex correctly predicted, this is a year and a half ago, that Joe Biden would win the election. Wow. I'm very wow. smart. <laughs> wow. Did you win anything? Did you have money? No. no, just that recognition. Oh, just, just recognition. <laughs> just the respect of your peers. <laughs> yeah. I won a lifetime of real friendships. <laughs> the um, lamest bragging rights of all time. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah, support our show so that we can afford yellow books to put behind our Zoom calls. And uh, I'm also going to plug Ballin' Out Super and Theater of Delights, my other podcasts. And that is it for us for another week, dear listener. Go out and propagate <laughs> that you might change the world. Change it. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. finished. You, you improvised <laughs> to sign off very well there. I'm impressed. Yeah, that was good.